0: Good afternoon, One Chapel. God is good, isn't he? He's amazing. He's amazing. So I am so happy to be here when uh, Pastor Brent asked me to come speak. He knows our story, and he asked me to come speak a little bit more on uh, prayers and some of the lessons that I learned in prayer. And uh, so before we get into that, I want to update you a little bit on my fam. So, my husband and I, first of all, y'all don't know how hard it is to see your 20- foot face. <laughs> I'm very humbled right now. so don't look at me. <laughs> at least not that close. So anyway, our family, so my whoa my that's really big. So my wonderful husband, Michael and I have been married for 27 years next month. <laughs> He's awesome. And here's our four boys, our wonderful four boys. So, Graham, it, today actually is his birthday. He's 26 years old today. And uh, there was a time uh, that I didn't know if he would live to be in his mid 20s. But he's alive and well and kicking and, and doing great things. So, in fact, Graham gets married in about a month. So, that's awesome. And then Jake over here, he is 24, and Titus over here, he's 22, and Blake, our baby, six foot tall, and he just turned 20 years old. So God is awesome. We have wonderful um, boys who are good looking, in case y'all didn't notice, (laughs) and they're smart and they're funny, and we've had some wonderful Family times and vacations and memories and inside jokes and you know everything that, that families have, and you can take that. Off. Um, <laughs> and um, we've had some hard times, like you can see, um, through the video. What I, what I'm speaking about in the video is not the miracle that God, God did in Graham, and He did do a miracle in Graham. That's pretty evident, and it was like that. And as much as I prayed and as long as we um, struggled and, and, and worried and everything that happened, um, I, now I know and I can say that God was always working, even though I didn't see it. He was always working, and so I want to say that to you. He's always working. Don't say, well, God's going to do something No, God is doing something. You just don't see it, but he is doing something, and we have to cooperate. And that's some of the lessons that I learned um, along the way is is what I had to choose, and what I had to choose in order to cooperate with God and what he was doing in me. And so the miracle that I want to share with you today is what he did in me. That's clear what what he did in Graham, but it's not so clear what he did in me. You know, it it wasn't such an outward thing. Someone after the last service said um, to me, you know, I can really relate, and everybody looks at us and they think everything's fine, but they don't know what's happening at home. And I think that's probably true of all of us. You know, um, nobody knows everything that's happening at home and but God does and he cares and we do have choices so today I'm going to talk to you about one of the hardest times um, that I remember with Graham um, was when he was in jail now I have a lot of stories and have a lot of lessons that's why I wrote a book (laughs) Um, I didn't want to write the book um, because I'd have to be really real and really honest and for those of you that read the book, you know I said some things in there that's not that flattering of me because I want people to know that that the real truth, because nobody's perfect, um, but God loves us, and he will work miracles inside our own lives if we just let him. So... Um, Yeah, I'm a firm believer in Revelation where it says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And so, you know, we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart to get salvation, right? But we also confess with our mouth things that he's doing in our lives to receive more freedom and to share with others more freedom. So that's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm here today to share with you what God's done in me because he can do that in you, right? So as I do share, my prayer is that you would personalize this for yourself. Deal? Because I'm going to share my heart, and all you have to do is sit there and make it personal, okay? Because I know that you don't have to be a parent to go through hard times, maybe you're going through hard times because so far you're not a parent maybe you're going through hard times because of your child maybe because of your marriage maybe because of your health maybe because of your finances i don't know but pick one <laughs> because we live in a fallen world and so we all have something so as i as i talk about prayer Um, I want you to think about what is it that you're praying about that you feel totally helpless with and you're out of control and you want God to intervene. Um, Think about that and how maybe you can apply some of the lessons that I've learned. So grandma's in jail, and that's exactly how I felt, helpless, out of control. I don't know how to help. I want to rescue that's what mamas do, right? We rescue. We take that baby's hand away from the stove. We tell that middle schooler, no, you're not going to that party. You know, we, um, we make sure that, you know, when they're 16, that they know how to drive <laughs> before they're in that car by themselves. We rescue. We come alongside. We pray. We do all these things. And um, then there's some times that we can't rescue we can't do anything about it, but it doesn't make, make me not want to. I still want to. Um, so Graham was in jail. He was headed to prison. They wanted to send him to prison for eight years, and he was 19 years old. And all I could think about was, what are they going to do to him in prison? How do I stop this? How do I protect him? And I was working with—we were working with the um, with the legal system—and it was f- very, very frustrating because they—he might be nineteen. Nineteen is young, okay, but emotionally and socially, he's not nineteen because of his Asperger. Asperger, by the way, probably most people know by now, but it's on the, the autism scale. Very smart and, and, and very adaptable. I mean, he can, you know, live, live in, in mainstream and it's not, you know, he's fine. But there's just some little things that he needs to, to really learn. And it takes a long time and a process. Um, and so I was afraid for him. I was afraid what would happen to him. Um, I was afraid he might not get out alive. Um, and I was doing everything in my power to help, but there wasn't much I could do, so I would pray. Now, I've been a Christian since I was 13 years old, so I knew we were supposed to pray. God says, pray without ceasing. He says, um, let your requests be made known to God, and so I let him know. I let him know every day, several times a day, this is what we need. This is what we need, God. This is what's going on, God. This is what's happening, God. Graham was in, on his way to prison. Graham had several medications that they had him on. So a lot of times he was just not really aware of what was going on. Um, he was still cutting in jail. Um, and sometimes he went really far. And I was afraid he would go too far. Um, I was mad at how they would treat him. Found out the officers treated him very badly. His anxiety was, he was in a constant fight or flight attitude. You know when something happens and you're like, well, he was like that all the time. Can you imagine? I can't, I, I, I just can't imagine. And, um, and so I would pray. And especially at night. When I wasn't at work, I wasn't talking with somebody. um, There wasn't something going on that took my attention. It's just me laying in bed thinking, okay, I'm going to pray. And what would happen is I would list all the things that was happening with Graham and all the things that I was afraid of and all the things that, that I thought should happen, you know, because, well, God, I have these ideas, you know, so maybe you hadn't thought of these yet, and, and, and maybe you could do these, because if you do these, then, you know, this will all work out. So, hello? And nothing was happening. And so as I continued to pray and I continued to listen and I continued to tell them everything, I realized that my worry was going up. And my anxiety was beginning to fill. And my fear was not subsiding. It was actually getting worse. And I thought, okay, God, surely this is not what you meant for prayer. Can anybody relate? Ever laid in bed at night thinking, okay, I'm supposed to pray. And you just start praying for that thing that you're concerned about. And the next thing you know, you're just upset. Yeah, so I'm not alone. <laughs> so that's what I was doing, and I couldn't sleep. Found out this is not good. <laughs> wait a minute, prayer is, wait, prayer's not good? Wait, what's going on? So I said, Lord, I know this is not what you intended. I've been a, a Christian for over 30 years, and I don't even know how to pray. I've taught people how to pray. I've led people to Christ. I don't know what's going on. So I, I, just, I said, you know, I know you're good. I know you love me, and I know you want the best for me. I just don't understand this prayer thing anymore. I don't get it. So I'm just going to shorten my prayers, and I'm just going to say, God, you know where Graham is. You know what's going on better than I do. And would you just come in and do something big and quick and, and help rescue him? because I can't, now help me fall asleep, it's not working, now I'm thinking about him again, my husband's over there snoring, (laughs) wasn't helpful, so I thought, well, I'm not going to pray, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. So then I started thinking, well, when I was listing all the things that were bad and it got me all riled up, maybe I'd do the opposite. So I'll just list all the things I'm grateful for <laughs> yeah, and see what happens. So I started saying, Lord, every night, Lord, be with Graham. You know what's going on. Please rescue him. Thank you, Jesus. Now help me fall asleep. Amen. Okay. God, thank you that you saved me. Thank you, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for me, for each one of my boys. Thank you for my wonderful husband. Thank you for our great marriage. Thank you that Graham's still alive. Thank you, Lord, for my kids. Thank you, Lord, for my church. Thank you, Lord, that you're And I'd be asleep it really works. It really works. Um, So I found out that, as I mentioned before, you know, we have to make some choices. The first thing I realized is that I need to choose to pray and not to worry that they are two opposite things. I was making them the same thing. If I was praying, I was worrying. And if I was worrying, I was praying. It, it, they're not the same thing. So I decided I'm going to pray. I'm not sure how, so I'm going to make it short, and then I'm going to list my thanks because I'm not going to worry. Um, Philippians 4, and this is in the message. Um, it talks about praying and not worrying. So I'm reading the message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. That tells you right there, it's two different things. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Hey, Julia. What's up? <laughs> so let your petitions and your praises shape your worries into prayers. So I'm to let him know what's going on, but praise him at the same time, and then the worries will become my prayers, okay? Okay. Letting God know your concerns, and before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come in and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now that's a great verse, right? And I've known that verse for a long, long time, but for some reason. I used to interpret it this way. See if this sounds familiar to anybody. Don't worry, pray. And if you pray the right way and you pray long enough and you pray exactly what you're supposed to pray, then God is going to change all your circumstances and everything will be good. (laughs) But that's not what I experienced. And actually, that's not what it says, does it? It says something much better. It says, don't worry, but let God know everything that's going on. Let him in. And when you let him in, he'll come in and he'll settle you down and he'll displace the fear. And what's so interesting about that word displace, you can't displace something if you're not there to displace it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't go, I'm going to move that from over here. It doesn't really work that way. You got to come over here, and then you can move it. You can displace it. So that tells me that Christ needs to come in first, and then he'll displace the fear. He pushes it away. It's him, it's not me. But I do have to choose to let Christ in. It's a wonderful thing. What happens when Christ comes in and displaces the fear? You don't have to make sense of it. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to let him in and let him do his thing in you. And that's what I began doing by choosing to pray and not to worry. And then the second part of that verse, it says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and not to curse. So rewind a little bit. What was I doing when I was listing all the things that was bad about Graham? And all the things that I was worried about, was that true and noble and reputable? And No, it was the ugly. It was the worst. I was listing all the worst. And people, I'm not talking about just um, positive thinking. I think there's something to positive thinking. I think it's a good thing, be positive thinking. But without Jesus, what's that? temporary. I want something eternal. I want Jesus. And when he comes in, he displaces the fear. And that's what I began to experience as I focused on the positive and I gave it to Jesus. And then I focused on the positive. Then I began to actually experience him more even though my circumstances weren't changing. So I was praying and not worrying. And as I continued to do that, I realized something more that I needed to choose, and I began choosing naturally as I began to not worry, was I began to seek God and not a particular outcome. I needed to seek God himself and not the outcome. I was going to God like he was Santa Claus, and saying, God, this is what I need, and this is what can happen. And I know you're good, and I know you're big, and I know you can do it, so let's just get this done, you know? But I failed to really just look at his face. I wanted his hand. Just give me your hand. I don't, just give me your hand. Just give me your hand. just want you to do these things. And he's like, look up here, baby girl. Look up at me. Let me minister to you. Let me love on you. Let me talk to you let me displace the fear so i began to do that and and i know we it's it's a thing at one chapel we hear a lot and i've experienced it so i'm going to say it is that peace is not the absence of something but it's the presence of someone and that someone is jesus you ever notice you learn more, you grow more when things are tough? When things are happy and everything's going your way, uh, you know, everything's great, right? And so there's no stretch, there's no desperation. I used to say I was a great Christian, and then I had kids. <laughs> it's true, people. But, yeah, I I began to realize it's, hey, when I focus on Jesus, when I worship, even though my circumstances are bad, and let me say, especially when your circumstances are bad, worship. Worship. I don't feel like it. Well, that's when you really need to worship. You don't feel like it. Okay. Well, put your worship on and worship count your blessings, <laughs> go down your Thanksgiving list, and then just, I'm telling you people, it works because it's him. And he comes in and he does amazing things inside. This is the miracle. In the midst of all that was going on with me, I used to have people tell me at work, I don't even." that's this older lady, she's like, she would come up to me and she'd say, I don't even know how your life I don't even know how you're breathing today. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. You know, I mean, he, he really is the answer. These are not cliches. I've experienced him, and you won't know. I can sit up here and talk to him blue in the face, and you won't really know unless you try him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All you need is a Taste. So I was focused on the depression and the anxiety of Graham and started realizing I need to focus on Jesus. And when I did, he gave me joy and peace. And then I was like, oh, get it? I get it? I've always known it, right, since I was 13. Now I get it. Graham needs Jesus. I would have told you that before. But until I experienced what I was experiencing, I was like, Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. Jesus is hope. Jesus, then my prayers begin. Let him experience you. Visit him in dreams. Lord, visit him. God, let him see you. God, get a hold of him. And he was getting a hold of me. So before the miracle happened with Graham, the miracle happened with me where I had suddenly understood not just in my mind, but in my heart, peace that passes understanding. I would say that. Peace that passes, you know, the song. that the peace that passes understanding. Down in my heart. No, no we, we, we digress. But, you know what I'm saying. So God started doing the miracle in me and um, Psalm ninety four nineteen says, "In the multitude of my anxieties within me, that was me. Your comforts delight my soul. That's His presence. His presence. Even though the circumstances weren't changing, I was choosing to pray, and not to worry. I was choosing. Um, I was choosing to seek God Himself, and not the outcome." and let God be responsible, not me. But then I began to realize there was another thing I really needed to do. And I really needed to choose to trust him and not be offended by him. I needed to trust God and not be offended. You see, I think, that being offended by people, if someone offends me, if Veronica offends me, then I resent you. I'm upset with you, and you haven't. But if someone upsets us, we we realize, I guess I'm offended by her, you know, or him. But when we get offended because of God, I don't think we realize what's happening as easily. Because he's God. So, I mean, some of you might be thinking, what is she talking about? You can't be offended by God. He's God. He's perfect. Yes, but we're not. So we can be. In fact, the scriptures talk about it in in, uh, Matthew chapter 11. And this is when John the Baptist was in prison. And um, he was uh, probably going to die in prison. And he was hearing everything that Jesus was doing. And so he sent his disciples out. So starting in verse 6, it says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples to say to Jesus, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, um, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And that makes perfect sense to me. That John's sitting in prison, he's hearing all these things. He's like, go ask him, is he the one, is he the one? And uh, Jesus says, yes, I am the one. I'm doing all these miracles. Go tell him everything that's happening. Go tell him. But it doesn't stop there because then Jesus says, oh, and also tell John, blessed is he who is not offended with me. Now, for the longest time, that was so weird to me. Like, I don't understand why would John be offended with Jesus? Jesus is awesome. He's healing people. He's loving people. He's doing all these great things. He knows that, you know, I mean, why, why would he be offended? And then I think, you know, he was in prison. And then I think, wait a minute. You know, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was ever born. John the Baptist was born with a purpose and a plan. God said, you're to be the forerunner of the Messiah. What? What a great position, right? What a great job. And he did it well. I mean, he that dude was radical, wearing fur and living out and nothing and eating locusts. And I mean, I bet he didn't even smell very good. I bet he was a mess looking, right? But he did it for Jesus. He did it for the Messiah. He preached repentance. And he baptized people. And you know what? He did it well. His purpose, he did it well. And he even knew. As I look back, he knew, wait a minute, he knew Jesus was the Messiah. Remember when he was baptizing people and, and he looked up and Jesus came up and he said, hey, Stop, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, I'm not worthy to untie your sandals. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. So why did he ask I think he asked because he was sitting in jail, and he thought, what happened? I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be out there with Jesus setting up the kingdom. I think it was kind of like, hey, Jesus, remember me? Maybe he's forgotten about me. I did a good job. What happened? I did what I was supposed to do. Did I miss something? What's going on? And I I know that feeling. Laying in bed at night and thinking, what happened? What happened? We were purposeful with raising our children in church and teaching them about Jesus and and loving them, and weren't perfect, but we. We did what we thought we were supposed to do, and we, I mean, let's recount this. Now I got a kid that's on drugs and in, in jail going to prison, and he's got all these diagnoses, and what happened? Have you ever thought, what happened? What happened with that job? I did the right thing. What happened with my finances? The economy turned and I lost everything. God, are you are you still there? Do you not see me? Do you not know what's going on? And God says, Jesus says, don't be offended. That's what he said to John. He said, don't be offended. He didn't say, I'll get you right out or, oh, yeah, I'll come over. He said, don't be offended. He's saying, trust me. My plans aren't your plans. I realize that. But I have bigger plans. Jesus was thinking about us. He was thinking about you and me. He had so many more people he wanted to bring into the kingdom. So he didn't set up the kingdom right away on earth. So I had to choose to pray and not worry. I had to choose to focus on God's face and not just his hand. And I had to choose to not be offended when things didn't go my way, but to continue to trust in my God, my Savior. You see, you can't focus on two things at the same time. We think we're great multitaskers, right? But in reality, you can only focus on one thing at a time. So I want to focus on Jesus. And the circumstances, God will take care of. But I want him to work in me first. He worked in me. He gave me peace and he gave me joy. And you know what? As he did, I was able, I think, to pray more effectively. For myself, for my family, for the kingdom of God. Because I wasn't wrapped up in the outcome that I wanted. I was wanting what God wanted. So, I encourage you to fill your mind with the things that are good and noble and right. And praise worthy. No matter what your circumstances are, you do have a choice. And your choice is, are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose Jesus? Are you going to choose to focus on him and his goodness or your own stuff? And when you do choose and surrender to him... I don't know what's going to happen with your circumstances, but I can tell you that he's going to change you. What he did in me, then he could do do through me. He can't do through you until he does in you first. He can't do through you until he's done it in you. So can we have the worship team come up and we are going to take communion together and as we do take communion, um, I'd like for you to, to think about what your choices are in your life right now. in The things that, that you're dealing with right now. And are you willing to say, I submit and I receive. From you. Are you willing to say, God, you come on in and displace the fear because I can't do it. We're going to pass out the elements and we do open communion here at One Chapel. And that means as long as you know the Lord Jesus, we want you to partake with us because we're but one church. There is one church under Jesus Christ. And we invite you to join us. So take it at your own timing. um, And let me pray for that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body. Thank you, God, that you chose to give it all up for us. We were on your mind when you died on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for that. And we praise you, God. Teach us, Lord, to trust you, to choose you, to allow you to do your thing in us. Teach us, Lord, more and more. We submit to you. We love you. We need you, but God, we also want you. In Jesus' name, amen.